Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is August 25th. I'm Dave Gasper, joined, as always, by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. And here to talk all things brewers, all things fun, but there is some big uh, happenings this week, Matt, that we just need to talk about, and I know that people are clamoring for, and that is the premiere of House of the Dragon on HBO Max. <laughs> We gotta talk about it. <laughs> um, Did you watch it? I, I have been watching She-Hulk on Disney Plus. <laughs> She-Hulk. Yeah. How has that uh, been? Which is more entertaining than I thought it was going to be based off of the previews. I will give it that. Um, but no, I have not gotten my HBO Max subscription back yet to be able to watch House of the Dragon. I have heard good things though. Yeah, the, I watched the premiere um like as soon as it came up and i was just like oh my god like this this is awesome like i feel like for for the first little bit i was kind of lost just i mean it's a pilot episode you're trying to gauge who the characters are and remember their names and who's all important and what but as you get to the end it's just like oh and it's (laughs) setting up for for something good so i am i'm excited for that so that is what i'm looking forward to on sunday the next episode of that I am not as looking forward to the next Brewer games because <laughs> this <laughs> past few days have been uh, a little brutal uh, to watch, to say the least. Uh, you, you have two games there against the Dodgers where you end up getting blown out by so much. You have a position player pitching in the eighth inning. And then, you know, because the Brewers are throwing a position player, the Dodgers throw a position player. They throw Hanser Alberto out there two nights in a row. So you have two games that are such blowouts. You got position players pitching, finishing it up. And it does not leave a good taste in one's mouth uh, after that, finishing that series. No, it certainly doesn't, um, at the very least. Uh, since it was a West Coast series, if you started getting a little depresso espresso towards the end of the game and thinking that things weren't going to turn around and you're getting maybe a little tired, well, just shut it off and go to sleep. That's what Unless I Unless mean. you're a sucker like me who stays up anyways to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You go into work a little later than I do, though. So that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plus, I, I feel like I have to be there on, on Twitter for for the diehards who are sticking this, it out. This is true. It, it might have been just me, but someone had to be there to to yeah. remind everyone of Victor Caratini's uh, <laughs> position player pitching performance and how in the span of nine pitches he allowed four runs. And yeah, that was that was not good. So the next day they put out Pablo Reyes and Pablo puts up oh. a zero, a one, two, three inning with a thirty-six mile an hour change a lop gravity ball whatever whatever it was 36 i was surprised to hear that that didn't register as like the slowest pitch ever because I, I, I thought it did did oh did they i didn't end up seeing i i i, I don't know about ever about but the next day but i i must have missed if they mentioned that because usually like i feel like i remember uh, at one point, someone throwing like a 50 mile an hour pitch and that being the slowest one on record. So I find it hard to believe that that one wouldn't have surpassed whatever the previous low was. But uh, at, at the very least, I know. Oh, wait, no. Brock, Brock Holt still holds the record. Ah, that's uh, and his, he had a 31 mile an hour pitch. Okay. Oh, last oh, year. Dang. I have around. But. At the the very least, I I know during Victor Caratini's outing, the team seemed to be amused by what was going on. Hey, I I guess at at least try and have some fun while something like that's happening. They they still do have that part uh, to this clubhouse. So they are trying to have fun and have some laughs along the way. So they, they got that going for them. But yeah, Pablo having a pitch there, it was, uh, it was an interesting time uh, seeing that, but hey, and then you know the Dodgers put up Hanser Alberto, and then uh, Hunter Renfro comes up, I and mean, the the game was twelve to four at this point, and you could tell Hunter Renfro went up there. He's like, this dude is lobbing one in there, and I am just 
freaking hacking. He <laughs> took a hack like me playing beer league softball, or like any of us taking beer league softball. He just he just leaned back. It was like up and in, just leaned back and just just freaking swung as hard as he could at it and just tomahawked it out barely out for a home run. Like he got all of that, but it was just coming in so slow. There was not much velocity to to take with it. And he was just able to get it out. Renfro's just like, screw it, man. I'm heck. I don't care if it's a position <laughs> player. I am hitting a freaking bomb. I am not getting out. I am hitting a bomb off this dude. I don't I don't care. All home runs count the same at the end of the year, whether it's off of Clayton Kershaw or whether it's off of Hanser Alberto, the home run counts the same. Yeah, and hey, maybe it was Renfro felt his uh, chances at eventually taking over that team home run lead slipping away. He had to make sure to keep pace. So, got it, you know, you got a prime chance to get a home run off of a position player. Might as well go up swinging, and he certainly did. Uh, Three behind Rowdy now for the team lead with 23. Well, Rowdy has 26. Renfro has 23, but... uh, Hey, maybe just maybe just wanted to play a little bit of catch up, but I it was at least fun to watch. Like that that swing was fun to watch. That same thing. Like when I'm playing my beer league softball, any anything within range of the bat is getting swung at. Let let yeah. me tell you, unless it's behind me or out of reach, I'm swinging. Yeah, I got a. Uh... I got a fun like a uh, like backyard soft. Actually, it's more front yard front yard softball game coming up in a in a couple of weeks. Where that's pretty much all I do, just taking hacks. Matt, you want to go? Uh, as long as it's not the weekend of the tenth, I am in. Uh, the tenth is a Monday, isn't it? Oh, I know this is uh this is October. It's when oh, it's October. going to be. Oh yeah, I got yes. nothing on October. Let's do this. Yeah, and let's keep going at this rate. The Brewers won't have anything in October either. Oh, yeah, I had to go there, didn't I? We still got it. Yeah. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, they still got a shot, but they are currently six games back of the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central. That is not fun. Uh, they are a game and a half back of the San Diego Padres for the wild card. And uh, they had a bunch of chances to, to gain some ground and, they haven't really been able to do so. It's been a slog the last little bit. You lose um, four of seven to the Dodgers. You lose two of three to the Cubs. And, I mean, really, they didn't do that bad against the Dodgers. I mean, the, the Dodgers have lost four games all month. Three of them are to the Brewers. Okay, the Dodgers are ridiculously hot. The Dodgers are essentially the best team in baseball. They're putting up ridiculous offensive numbers. They have an entire all-star team. Matt, you were telling me uh, before we started here about their run differential is like one of the is like top five, top six all time, and like top two since World War II. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Sarah Langs from ESPN had tweeted it out. It's like they have like a uh, hell. I could pull it up right now. I'm pretty sure it's like a 235 run differential, which is just I mean that's just obscene. 275, sorry. 275, even more obscene. 275 run differential. Um, The next closest, by the way, in the league is the Yankees at 188, uh, which is already a very large run differential. But 275, yeah, sixth highest in the modern era um, in a team's first 123 games of the season. So the Dodgers are damn near unstoppable. And the Brewers uh, were able to stop stop them in three out of seven games. So, um, you know, yeah, they got beat up in those last couple. That's going to happen to a lot of teams who play the Dodgers. You try, you know, keep pace with them as much as you can. I think some of those games showed that, you know, that little bit of the anything can happen mentality. If you do have the right pitching matchups and have things your go your way, you know, once a playoff series happens. Um, but, you know, in that last game, you've got Adrian Hauser, who, you know, maybe came back a little too quick from the IL, but didn't really have a choice with Ashby Hurts. Corbin Burns, for whatever reason, is mortal against the Dodgers. Like, just, you know, those last couple of matchups just didn't work out for him. But what happened against the Dodgers happened. It was the series before that that's more yeah. frustrating and, for his fans. Yeah, and Eric, as, as much as Corbin Burns is mortal against the Dodgers, Eric Lauer is immortal uh, against yeah. the Dodgers. He shut them out. 
in that first game. Dave Roberts is like, for whatever reason, we can't crack the code. They can't understand Eric Lauer. They can hit Corbin Burns. They can't understand Eric Lauer. And I, I say we need more Eric Lauer. I say we should clone him, make mm-hmm. a second one, maybe a third, uh, and just have uh, Eric Lauer's one, two, and three end up as your guys in, in a series against the Dodgers. And if the Brewers end up in a postseason series against the Dodgers, do you make Eric Lauer your game one starter? I would. I, I mean, I don't think it's a, a ridiculous question at, at, or, or concept. Play the matchups, Craig. Absolutely. Like, Eric Lauer, and to be honest, like, Eric Lauer now, outside of his little kind of, you know, he had a little bit of a down spell in the middle of the season. He has come back from that. His last few uh, outings have honestly all looked really good. Um, really, for the last year and a half, you've had a pretty damn good pitcher in Eric Lauer on this team. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, if you're going up against the Dodgers, you know that team struggles against them. You know, even if you don't roll them out first and you roll out, you know, your former Cy Young winner in Corbin Burns. Still current reigning Cy Young winner. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Do you pop Glower into the two spot then, you know, and shuffle things around? I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Like if the Dodgers struggle against a certain pitcher, throw that pitcher towards the beginning of, you know, this is all obviously hypothetical if that were to actually happen. It's a big if to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But no, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. And then maybe you go, you know, you've got Woodruff Peralta coming up in games three and four. Like, that's brutal. Speaking of brutal, uh, Packers special teams. I'm I'm watching the the third preseason game right here. and, And the kickoff and Goodson just drops it. Just just muffs the kickoff. I'm like, and tries to run it out and ends up only getting to the four and a half yard line. Great job, guys. Um, and that has been Packers talk here on Colbert Podcast. <laughs> uh, back to the Brewers. Yeah, that, that Cubs series, as you uh, were mentioning there before, that was a really tough one for, for the Brewers to take. They lost the first two games of that series. Uh, very uh, frustrating fashion in those games they were able to win the third one which is great you know happy flight move on out to la and and whatever else and be able to recover but man just some brutal losses and those are the teams you have to take care of business against you have to be able to beat a team like the cubs who are non-competitive this year and and take care of business bank those wins and try to catch up to the cardinals because now the cardinals are facing the cubs the past few days and what did the Cardinals do? They beat up on them mm-hmm. as, as they should. The Cardinals are incredibly hot. The Brewers are incredibly not. And it's, it's combined to create a six game differential in this, in the standings. And that's not impossible to overcome. The Brewers have done this in 2018. I mean, they were down by six games uh, even later than this uh, that year. And they were able to come back against the Cubs and win the division but that also took a pretty big collapse from Chicago and an, and an incredible run from the Brewers. And it, it's just kind of hard to see that incredible run coming for this squad. Maybe it'll happen, maybe not, but they put themselves in a very precarious position in the division standings. Yeah, it's hard to imagine the Cardinals are going to go into the same sort of funk when they have a player in Paul Goldschmidt who is in all likelihood leading the race for the NL MVP right now, and by a pretty wide margin, to be honest. Um, I know at some points there were, you know, Manny Machado was in that conversation early. Um, Bryce Harper looked really good at points before he ended up getting hurt. Um, But Paul Goldschmidt has been solid all freaking year. Um, And right now he's, he's the runaway NL MVP. And in 2018, the Brewers had the MVP. In Christian Yelich, um, not the other way around with the Cubs, you know, where, you know, uh, the version from 2018 of the Cardinals now. So that's going to be tough to just assume. And we saw what the Cardinals friggin did last September when they went on, you know, however many game win streak in September that just did not seem like it was ever going to stop. Um, they don't just start losing gates, uh, games late. Generally, Albert Pujols has friggin found the fountain of youth lately. Um, <laughs> 
everything is Jordan Montgomery. I'll eat my words on that one. I thought that was a mediocre move um, by the Cardinals, and he has been fantastic since he's ended up in St. Louis. So that has worked out well for him. Uh, Everything's kind of clicking for them, and it's almost looking like uh, wild card is almost – obviously they're going to do everything they can to win that division. Uh, They have four games against the Cardinals still to come, so you can control your destiny a little bit in that sense. Um, But both have relatively weak schedules coming down the stretch. That'll help the Brewers in getting to the playoffs in general. Um, But they have to, like you said, they have to take care of business against – Weaker teams like the Cubs. I will I'll give you that first game with, when the wind was blowing out. It was just offense back and forth. Um, 11 to 10, I think that one ended up being. Uh, it, it was Eight kind of just, seven. Was it? Oh, geez. Maybe I'm thinking the hits. Um, but ah. uh, it was just scoring after scoring. The lead kept going back and forth. It was just going to be a matter of who ran out of juice first. Um, that one was a little bit wacky of a game. That second game of the series um was the one that stung because the Brewers were able to take that lead late, get the ball to Devin Williams with the lead, which is what you want every single game. Um, and he ends up blowing his first save since uh, the hater trade. And they still, but even with that happening, the Brewers still had a chance. Um, Taylor Rogers ends up, you know, getting out of the inning with the tie. He ends up um, doing solid in the 10th. Uh, the Brewers end up getting the lead in extra innings. And then unfortunately, Strezlecki, uh, ends up uh, allowing the winning runs. But it was right there, right there for the taking for the Brewers. You can come out of the weekend, you know, potentially with a win on Sunday, which they do end up getting. That would have won in the series. Now it doesn't. Now the Brewers are down two games to the Cubs in the season series, which just just feels shitty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when we know what the Cubs are this year. Yes, they've been better since the All-Star break, sure. But... Overall, this season, they're a team that the Brewers should have a winning record against, and they don't. And you're now going to start a, a run against weaker teams that starts with the Cubs, and you've got to take these games, especially when the next two series are at home. I mean, there's no excuse. You have to you have to start uh, chalking up series wins, series sweeps if you can. But at the very least, you have to win each of the next four series because they're all against losing teams. Is it four four series or six series? Uh, something like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we got we got the Cubs coming up, and then the Pirates after that. Yeah. And then Arizona, Colorado, then the Giants. I'm not sure if the Giants have a winning record or not. Nope. Um, and then Cincinnati. So six. Yeah, it is six. Six games or series against losing teams. And then two games against the Cardinals. Right. And the, yeah, a little bit of a nasty stretch with the Cardinals, Yankees, and Mets. Um, and then the rest of them outside of one short two-gamer against the Cardinals are all series against losing teams as well. So it's set up for them to still make their way into the playoffs, but they got to execute. It's got to happen. Yeah. And those games against the Cardinals are going to be so much more important because that that's how you directly uh, improve your, your standings. You know, you, you don't have to depend on someone else to beat the Cardinals. You just have to beat them yourself, and you automatically yeah. gain a game. Yeah. Uh, but a split there gets you nowhere. Even just winning three or four, that only gets you plus two mm. uh, games. So, really, you know, you you really got to go all out for those and really control your own destiny in the in those final few games to make up some ground. So, the the Cardinals have a fairly easy schedule as well, which doesn't make it much easier on the Brewers, especially with how hot they've been. Um, it, it just it just makes it tough, and you got to control. Which you can, and they they haven't just they just haven't been able to do it, and, and that just makes it so much more frustrating watching this team, knowing what they should be, what they could be, and just what they're actually putting up, and really how they've been since the trade deadline. Um, we saw Eric Lauer's comments mm-hmm. uh, over last weekend, where he's talking about you know the message from the front office was clear and. Th- and it was that they didn't believe in this team. They didn't reinforce this team. They were looking towards the future. They weren't looking towards this year. And the team has almost essentially responded accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, they, If the front office doesn't believe they're a team to invest in for a World Series, the, the team isn't playing like someone who's going to win a World Series. They just aren't right now. And 
it, it's hard to it's hard to knock the players for that when that's really the message that's been sent. You aren't a World Series team. You aren't a team worth investing in. It it demoralizes you. Yeah, absolutely. And it was refreshing to hear Eric Lauer, probably not one of the leading guys you would expect to be the one to come forward with a statement like that or comments like that. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And, you know, being one of the younger guys on the team, too, um, you, you expect that maybe more out of some veterans who have, quote unquote, earned the right to um, speak their mind a little bit more. I'm not saying I necessarily believe with in that philosophy, but that's how those things go a lot of times. Um, but no, he, he had some very honest feedback about um, how the Brewers approached that deadline. And it, it kind of reinforces some of the stuff that we talked about earlier, that the Brewers front office needed to be prepared to address whatever they did at the trade deadline with that team. This may have not been their ultimate, you know, plan A, plan B, or plan C, for what they were going to do, maybe they envisioned it going differently um, and they wouldn't have to talk to the team because, you know, they were able to reinforce this team and future teams. But the second it didn't go the way you expected it to, you needed to be down in that clubhouse saying, hey, listen, here's what happens. Like we had every intent of improving this team in all these different ways. And this was what ended up happening don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, lay it out on the table that way. And clearly they did not do that. Um, Kristen Yelich did kind of say at some point that, like, yes, we were able to ask some questions and and we got some answers. It was kind of a very vague, um, mm-hmm. not totally inspiring statement on his own, but it was slightly different tone than Eric Lauer's uh, comments were, but... They just, At the same time, Christian Yelich is coming from a different perspective. Correct. He signed a massive contract. He's here yep. for the long run no matter what. Yeah. So for him, you know, it's like, yeah, as many bites at the apple, just staying competitive, not doing a, a, a big rebuild. That's fine with him because he's here mm-hmm. no matter what, long, long term. Eric Lauer, the young guys like that who are reaching free agency in a year or two, they don't have that much time around here. They want to win a World Series with this group. They love this team. They, they love the guys on this team, and they want to win now. They, they don't care about 2024, 2025. They don't have to look forward to that just yet. Christian Yelich is fine taking that view because he's here for the rest of the decade. Lauer isn't going to be, or at least he's not guaranteed to yet. So it, it's it's all just kind of a matter of those different perspectives. And, yeah, if I was a guy like Lauer – I'd be a lot more pissed, too. It's like, look, what do we care about 2023 for right now? We're here right now. We've got this team that, that we love. We're having fun with. Let, let's invest in this team. And the, they just they just didn't do it. But, yeah, like you said, you know, you got to go down there. Like, if I'm David Stearns, I got to go down there and be like, look, guys, this was not our plan A. We had a whole bunch of stuff planned out after, after Josh Hader. We're trying to go after some other guys. It ended up not following through. The, you know, the the prices remained a bit too high. We thought they'd come down a little bit more. Uh, you know, we, we thought we had this guy. He ended up getting traded elsewhere over here. Blah blah blah. You know, and, and just kind of explain that whole situation. And you know, like David Stearns isn't going to do that for us, the for the fans, for the media. He's not going to do that for them. But in closed doors in that clubhouse, he can he can talk about all that with the guys. They'd understand that a whole lot more. And, you know, it, it just seems like they, they didn't come through with that. And they just kind of pushed it onto onto council almost and didn't really give that clear of answers. Yeah. And that, honestly, I would love to know what council was told by the front office about everything mm-hmm. that went down. Like, was he kind of did they at least shed some light with him? Because it's up to Craig Council, like really to keep that that stuff afloat. I mean, Stearns can come down, Adonazio can down, come down, they can address the team, they can explain what happened, and they should have done that. We just went over that. But once that dust settles, you know, the players may or may not be satisfied with that, and it's up to Craig Council at that point to keep the troops going. And I'm really curious to know how much the front office 
clued him into all of that stuff after the fact. Did they? Did they even talk to Craig Council himself, or was he left in the dark to like pick up the pieces there and basically, you know, like I said, you know, keep things afloat? I I don't know. Like I I would really I'd really love to know what Craig Council was actually told by that front office when all was said and done because uh, just the way everything went down, I feel like it wasn't a lot, and that's almost even worse. Like you you have to you have to at least give your manager some direction, some little, you know, sense of how to go about this with the team, how to explain it to them um, and not just let, leave him there to figure it out on his own. Craig Gounce is a fantastic manager and he can do that, but don't make him do that. Like talk through the whole process with him so that he can approach the team a little bit better. And I don't know, just every, every, every bit of me feels like they probably didn't do that either. And that's even more sad. Yeah, it, the the way the team has has responded, and really, I mean, the way you know, council and some of those other guys uh, responded to this whole thing, it really just kind of makes it seem like it was, you know, not as much communication, you know, between them, which is weird because for the past however many years, you know, with the the David Stearns Craig Council era, communication has been like a hallmark between these yeah. guys. You know, councils had great communication with the players. Uh, that, that's one of his strongest skill sets as a manager. Uh, him and Stearns have been able to get along, you know, great and communicate well and, and all this stuff. You know, whatever Stearns says to him, he's able to, you know, communicate back and forth his thoughts and and relay all of that stuff to the players. And there there seemed to have been in prior years a major focus on clubhouse atmosphere and culture and building that up and maintaining it throughout the season. Uh, you know, that, that's been a priority for them in years past. And this year, it seemed like they just threw culture to the wind and clubhouse atmosphere to the wind and, and didn't really care as much about it. And it, it just is such a strange direction uh, for them to go and, and just a really strange series of moves. Uh, how everything went down was just so atypical for this front office and for this organization you know, I think a lot of us are, are still shell-shocked by it a little bit, whether it be the players or us or, or the fans or the media or whoever else. It's just kind of tough to, to try to process all of this because we haven't seen this before mm. from from the Brewers under David Stearns. No, and you know what? Maybe, that, maybe there was a little bit uh, of a belief in the team that, you know, they would just dig themselves out of this because – you know, also, we've mentioned before, winning fixes everything. You win some ball mm-hmm. games, you go on a little bit of a run. The fans start to get a little bit happier. The players start to get a little bit happier. And, you know, bygones are bygones almost at that point. And that just never happens. They've just never re- been able to get themselves out of this funk since the trade deadline. And maybe that's another grand assumption that the front office made poorly was that it would just work itself out. But no, here we are uh, over three weeks past the trade deadline, and we are still trying to make sense of all of this. We still have this just weird air above brewers, the brewers and their fans and everything. Like it just, nothing has felt quite right ever since that trade deadline. And you're right, it's a completely unfamiliar feeling to all of us. Um, Even even when the team loses some games here and there, there's always the thought that, you know, it'll be fine. They always turn it around. The next win streak's right around the corner. And that was basically always true all up until the final playoff loss each year. Um, and there's just, I don't know, there's just not that level. We're pretty optimistic guys. We As are. Yeah. People who listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure, uh, have been able to figure over the years, um, and as we've, you know, chatted about things on Twitter and chatted amongst each other, like, we're pretty positive when it comes to this team, and I, I feel like even our optimism has waned quite a bit for the last few weeks, and there's just, it, we're, we're able to kind of keep ourselves going, but it, it, it's hard. It's hard because it just doesn't feel, it, it, it doesn't feel good right now, and maybe it is this unfamiliar feeling. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm, 
I mean, yeah, you and I have been one of the bigger David Stern's apologists and, and defenders for, for the past couple of years. Like every single move, it's like, look, he's got something playing with this. We like it, it may not be obvious on, on the surface, but it's probably going to work itself out just fine. And, you know, there, there just kind of hasn't been that feeling this year, just with, with some of the moves made and the things said and how things have gone since it's kind of almost backed that up. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's really puzzled me um, with with their moves is Asteri Ruiz. You get him mm-hmm. in the trade with Josh Hader. He's he's made his big league debut this year. Uh, he's absolutely dominated AAA. He's 23, I believe. He's he's pretty much big league ready. And you were trying to get hitters at the trade deadline, they were going after the guys like Josh Bell and Jock Peterson and Joey Gallo and Brandon Drury and Ian Happ and blah, blah, blah. Like they were going after all these guys. They know they wanted upgrades for the offense. They know they wanted to add somebody, add a spark to this team. The only position player they got was Ruiz. And they've sent him down to AAA for the last three weeks. What's he doing there? As soon as the deadline passed and you realized – I did not get a bat. You should have called up Ruiz immediately. Put him out there in center field. Get him some run and and see what he can do. Put him atop the lineup, the the one or the two spot or something. Get let him get on base. Let him steal bases. Be a menace on the base paths and just give him a shot. He's already on the forty man roster. He can't be worse than Jonathan Davis. You know, like he he's going to provide something. He he can provide you know, good defensive work. If he gets on base at all, he's likely going to be stealing and, you know, gets a single, he gets into scoring position almost immediately. Call him up. What is he doing in triple a that that's what I don't get with, with what they've done. They've had Ruiz for three weeks. They've known for three weeks that they did not get another hitter at the deadline, but they wanted one. The, why don't you call up the one that you got that is big league ready and just put him in the lineup. Why is Ruiz down there? I have no clue. He So 18 games since he's come over, six doubles, uh, eight steals. We know he's a freaking speed demon. I believe with a hit in tonight's game, he is now on a 14-game hitting streak. Call him uh, up. On base percentage over 40%. Like, I, I, I assumed when he started in AAA that they were going to give him like a week down there. Get your feet wet in the organization, start feeling good about yourself, and then bring them on up. And that just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, we're three weeks in now, over three weeks in now, and he's still down there. And he's looking good. He's doing he's, – even if he's not – you know, even if you're giving Tyrone Taylor a majority of the starts, you've still got an absolute weapon in Ruiz on the bench that you can bring into a game late and, you know, steal bases, take extra bases, score runs – Um, He should be getting some starts here and there as well if they call him up, I believe. Um, But at the very least, he is at least as good as the 30-year-old journeyman Jonathan Davis. At least as good as him. But you, you brought him over in this trade because you think he's better. You didn't bring him over because you think he's an equal to Jonathan Davis. If that's the case, you wouldn't have traded for him in the first place. Mm -hmm. You think he has a higher ceiling, so prove it. Let's yeah. see it. Like I, I, I think. Craig Council is saying like we're trying to win games. We're not trying to get guys yeah. at bats. Like 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 this is the time to push. Yeah. Put right. put Ruiz in there. Like and I think this this also could contribute to the clubhouse psyche and atmosphere. I mean, you traded Josh Hader, and all you got back on this big league club was Taylor Rogers, who at best is slightly worse than than Josh Hader. So you essentially downgraded there. Denelson Lamette, you kicked to the curb before he got a chance to put on his uniform. And so it's like, okay, so the mix of big league talent and prospects has turned into just one worse relief pitcher. And I mean, Rogers has, been, Rogers has actually been better than Hader has been post-deadline, but yeah. Hader with the Padres is a whole different issue. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, then you get these two prospects. You get one triple A. Call them up. Like, at least then it looks like, okay, now we got two pieces on the big league roster here for Josh Hader. If you had been smart and kept Lament, you'd be like, oh, wow, we got three big league pieces right here and now for Josh Hader. 
And that would help this this clubhouse's psyche immensely. And they haven't done that. I, I don't understand why he's still down there. I mean, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, maybe you end up having, you know, avoiding these Eric Lauer comments if you have Ruiz up here right away, because then it at least shows a little bit that you are still somewhat focused on this current team and not just getting more bites of the apple for the future teams. You get two of those pieces contributing to the team now. And just like you said, the team's psyche is a little bit different in saying, oh, okay, we did get a couple pieces to try and help us uh, make this playoff push. All right, let's let's start making that playoff push. Um, but no, you're right. He's just kind of wasting away down there in AAA. And, and it's not even what Ruiz can bring statistically, I don't think. Even if Ruiz comes up and hits 220-something, you know, and he doesn't hit quite as well as he is in AAA or whatever else like that. It's not even about what he brings on the field. Just his presence, because he was acquired for Josh Hader, having him up, getting him starts, that does so much for for this clubhouse and how they view that trade and, and how the fans view that trade, how everyone views the trade. And how they're able to kind of process things and go forward. It's like, okay, we have somebody else here that's a part of it. He's not languishing down in the minors where he could be coming up who knows when and not helping us now. He He's not helping the Brewers at all being down in AAA. He's helping the Nashville Sounds. I'm sure they're enjoying him. But <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for the Brewers. It, it doesn't help them with, with him being down there. So call him up. Even, even if he isn't that good right now. Even if he only hits 220, 230, whatever, just having him up would would improve the 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 psyche and the morale so much more than than where they are right now. Right, and you know what? Now would be a great time to do it too, because like we just went over, you are about to hit this stretch of a whole bunch of series against losing teams where you can really start to make up some ground on the Padres, on the Phillies, um, potentially on the Cardinals, depending on what happens to them. Although I also looked at their week schedule just now and oof, like they, they, they shouldn't lose another game until mid September with the crappy teams they're playing, but that's besides the point. Um, You're about to go through this stretch and you know what? You pop Ruiz on that team and say, all right, we're bringing up one of these guys like, we believe we can start making this run and that this run can start now. And here's some reinforcements. It, it'd be, I still think he is on this team before the season ends. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, but before we even like, don't waste any more time. Just do it tomorrow. Like he should be up for tomorrow's game in Milwaukee in a uniform. Yeah, he, he absolutely should be a massive improvement over Jonathan Davis and I don't get why they haven't done it yet, but in a few days, rosters are going to expand. Not as much as they used to. We're only getting two extra active roster spots. It goes from 26 to 28 instead of 40, which would have been really nice if they could have gone to 40 uh, and call up a bunch of these guys. But alas, here we are. Uh, so you get two extra players, and I put this article up on the up on the site the other day. Uh, ranking the call-up options, and you know I had the three that there are the three big prospects right now that everyone's really kind of clamoring for with the call-up. Sal Freelich, who is hitting damn near 500 in AAA <laughs> since being called up, uh, Estiri Ruiz, who we've just been talking about at length, and Bryce Terang, who has been in AAA all season, 2018 first-round pick, has been dominating in AAA. Um, and has been playing all over the place. And these three guys are really kind of your top options. Garrett Mitchell and, and Joey Weimer uh, are also there in AAA, and they've been doing pretty well. But I think both those guys need a, a few more regular at-bats down there in AAA before they get called up to the big league level. Uh, I don't think they're pushing for a September call-up right now. I think it's between Terang, Ruiz, and Freelick. And I gave the top spot to Terang. I was so close to giving it to Siri Ruiz just because number one, he should be up already. Uh, and he's already on the 40 man roster, but 
Terang, I feel like, fits so much more of what Craig Castle is going to be looking for because they need help at third base. They could use some help at second base. You know, they, they could use a guy with some center field experience as well. Terang has all of those. He can also back up shortstop if ever needed. And he's been in AAA all season. And he's been doing extremely well. The Brewers have been aggressive with him. He needs to be added to the 40-man roster this November anyways to be protected from the Rule 5. So you might as well call him up now, see what you got. And then if he does well, you can have him be your starting second baseman next season and decline Colton Wong's option. So I think Terang is going to be the guy, but I think they should call up both Terang and Asteri Ruiz this September. I think Ruiz should be called up already, but I think they should be calling up Terang when rosters expand. Yep. 100% agree. I would have had them in the exact same order as you had them. I think with Sal Freelich, he has been a fantastic story this year. The fact that he is already up in AAA and doing well at AAA, like he's hitting better at AAA than he had at any of his previous stops. And that's insane. Mm -hmm. But he still only has 78 at bats there. Like that is very limited sample size. And he is still so young um, and inexperienced in terms of professional ball that to me, I, I just... I, I know the fans just love hearing about him, and and it would be super cool to see, wow, a 2021 pick has already made his way up to the Brewers. He's that damn good. Like, that would be super cool story. But I agree. I think the other two are much closer to Major League ready. Asturi Ruiz has played a few games with the Padres, mm-hmm. um, you know, when he was very young. So his numbers don't look very good, but you know, again, he's a young guy like the rest of them. Um, but you brought him here, like we just said, you know, specifically to help this team bring him up. Now Terang, everything they have done with him this season has just looked like it has been to prepare him to be a contributor to this team this season. I, I have been preaching this all year that I expect Terang to be a September call up this year they started playing him in center field early this season and getting him some reps out there um recently they got him some reps at third base which he's never played uh in his professional career they got him a couple starts recently at second base which he had done in the past but hadn't uh uh, until just recently for quite some time um so he's played four positions now center second short and third uh, in AAA this season, that just has all the makings of a super utility player for the Brewers to be able to use down the stretch and plug in, you know, late in switches and defensive situations. He's a left-handed bat too, so you have that added um, uniqueness with him. He can be used in so many different situations by Craig Council that it, it just it feels like everything has led to this September call-up, and I would be extremely surprised if it doesn't end up happening. Ruiz, Tamaro, uh, Terang, September 1st, those should be the two guys. 100% agree. Yeah, and, and you know, especially with Freelich, I mean, not needing to be added to the 40-man roster for another couple right. of years, you know, just coming up so quick. You know, they, they can afford to, to kind of take their time with him a little bit more, uh, you know, and Perhaps he could earn a spot on the opening day roster next year. You know, there's a very strong chance he could do that. Um, but for this year, I, I think you got to go with a guy who's already on the 40-man in Ruiz that you traded for. Uh, they, they, you traded Josh Hader, of all people, for. Um, you got to go with him, and it, it's time to give Terang that opportunity. I mean, he's been in AAA all year. Freelich started in high A. Um, I mean, that's... That's not necessarily a knock on Freelich, but just kind of shows a sign of where they've been all year, what they've been facing. So, yeah, that's absolutely what it should be. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Jace Peterson is apparently coming back uh, within the next uh, few days here. So perhaps that super utility could be taken care of. But uh, I don't know. I think Terang is a little bit of a, of a better hitter than than jace but that's just me you you know where i am on the on the jace peterson uh side of things but yeah what you're probably only getting one position player with roster expansion because i mean you you get two 
and the the max pitcher limit goes up by one. So odds are one position player, one pitcher, one one reliever, and I think your position player, yeah, it should be it should be Terang, call, call up uh, Asteri Ruiz, DFA Jonathan Davis. That yeah. clears the the 40-man spot for Terang. Bada-bing, bada-boom. You're good to go. World Series, here we come. Yeah. woo Or at the very least, playoffs. But Yeah. Got to get to the playoffs first. Got to get our bite at the apple, as yeah, they say. 2022 apple. Yeah. Um, and then on the pitcher side of things, who could the call up be? The Brewers have had a, a number of pitchers that have been uh, recovering and then sent back down. Justin Topa, Jake Cousins were two big parts of the bullpen earlier this year before they got hurt, and then they got rehabbed, then activated and immediately optioned back down to to AAA. So they're just kind of chilling down there in Nashville. I think one of them should get called up, Topa, Cousins. I would love to see either of them. But you know who it's probably going to be? It's probably going to be that guy, Trevor Rosenthal, who hasn't pitched in damn near three seasons. But he's finally healthy, we think. We possibly. He did get pulled from a game uh, yesterday. Yesterday, uh, he got pulled uh, from a game with the trainers after only throwing 20-some pitches. um, But after giving up a three-run bomb and a walk. Um, they came out and Rick Sweet uh, and the trainers kind of talked to him a little bit. And then he ends up leaving the game with the trainers. Have not heard anything from Adam McAlvey, from the sounds. He hasn't been placed on the IL. So it could have just been precautionary. Not sure. Um, that So you never know. That could potentially delay. The things. only thing worse than... The Trevor Rosenthal trade and, and Trevor Rosenthal coming in to the Brewers and not pitching well. The only thing worse would be Trevor Rosenthal not pitching at all yeah. for the Brewers. I swear to God, if this dude stays hurt and doesn't pitch for the entire rest of the season, never comes in to pitch in a Brewers uniform, and then leaves in free agency, like I am going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I am going to go bananas. I'm I'm going to do. I don't. What should I do? What should I do to to show my anger and frustration about this match? Gonna write a strongly worded letter to the Brewers. Damn it! Oh, I have I have written many strongly worded articles <laughs> about this. There there are not enough strong words for that, Matt. I no. Oh my goodness! Like, um, Trist- yeah. He, Rosenthal, will, assuming that that was just precautionary, uh, Rosenthal will be one of the guys that the Brewers bring up. They're not going to just not use him after they end up trading a freaking prospect for him that we all liked and thought was doing well, but we, we got to move past that, I get it, at this point. Um, but uh, still other spots potentially it could be taken. If you look at the roster right now, um, Jason Alexander is up here right now. Strezelecki is up here right now. He's actually pitched decent for the most part recently, so um, I, I think he stays up for now. But those are both guys that I, I think I think there's going to be some sort of like reliever rotation. Like they're going to keep a constant shuttle going. It's kind of what they've done in the past. They've the nice thing about Topa and Cousins is that they you're nowhere near. They've only been optioned this one time, so. You're, you're nowhere near the, I think, is it five options five. now? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of these guys that you'll be able to cycle through pretty quickly, um, and that'll allow you to make a lot of pitching changes late in games if you have to to try and win these games if you're Craig Council. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of turnover in this last month. That's where you could maybe see, you know, a Jake Cousins end up coming up and taking some time, a Justin Topa end up coming up and taking some time, Luis Perdomo as well is down there right now. He's still on the 40. Um, I, I think it'll be a pretty heavy rotation between some of these dudes just to make sure you have as many fresh arms as possible down the stretch to just give a guy like Craig Council as many options as you can. Yeah, it's it's going to... It's probably going to end up going that way. If they can run the carousel, they will. 
Um, but yeah, that, that five option limit, uh, something that they're going to have to keep an eye on and has limited that carousel a little bit this season. Um, plus a lot of their guys are, are out of options uh, this year. I feel like, I mean, Bush, I mean, Rogers, Boxberger. Okay. So they do have some guys with uh, options there. Gott is out of options. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, they've been able to, to rotate some guys through, but some of them, I mean, it, it, like you can't option Devin Williams. You know, the way Hobie Milner's pitching, you can't option him. Uh, you're not going to option Brent Suter either. I, he might be close to, or he might have already reached five years of service, which means he can't be optioned anyways. Uh, so they're, they're going to be in a bit of a, a tough spot there with some of those guys. And then, yeah, I don't know. I just... But the whole Trevor Rosenthal situation just continues to bug me. Just just the trade that they made for him, the injuries, and yet, like, as much as I hate him, it's like I want him to come in and pitch because, like, otherwise, like, that, like this was stupid. I mean, this was stupid anyways. But, <laughs> like, seriously, like, how do you trade for a guy who hasn't pitched in two years who is still hurt, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we might be able to get him for a month here, um, and then he's a free agent. Like, he better be good. Yeah. He better be good. And if he if he gets hurt here and, you know, leaves with the trainers or whatever or, or has to be delayed and has come back and only gets, like, two weeks at the big league level, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, then why did you take that risk in the first place on a guy that you knew was already injured? And has an injury, extensive injury history over the last few years. I yeah. mean, why would you that... trade a good player for him? Yes. If you if you had traded cash considerations or a, a 17 year old Dominican Republic player, fine. I wouldn't care. The the trade would be whatever. But to trade Tristan Peters for him, uh, I'm going like... off on this again. I I need, I need to I need to stop. But it just the the whole situation just just irks me. But I never thought yeah. a player could get you more worked up than Jace Peterson would. But here we are, dude. That that is a that is a high bar. Yeah. To pass. And Trevor Rosenthal hasn't even played yet. <laughs> nope. No. No. Like. Sure. And I mean that that's kind of the thing, you know. Like the past few weeks with J- with Jace Peterson, you know, just kind of on the mend. Oh man, it's been so peaceful. Over here on my side with, you know, at least on that front. Everything else has kind of been falling apart. But, you know, other than that, it, it's been great. But, yeah, Trevor Rosenthal, he is, he, he is definitely, I, I think, surpassed Jace Peterson just by existing on the 40-man roster right now. I, I think he has surpassed him on the, on the hatred scale. And poor guy, because, like, at least Jace Peterson drew And it's not even Trevor Rosenthal's fault. Right, exactly. Like, like he didn't even do anything. Like, like, it's nothing against Trevor Rosenthal, the guy, I guess. You know, I may be taking it out on him. But, like, like, there's really nothing that he's done. He's just been hurt for the last two and a half, damn near three seasons. And it's it's just like, I, I, I just automatically don't like you now, because why are you here? Yeah. Why, why is why is Trevor Rosenthal here and Asteri Ruiz is down in AAA? And Denelson Lamette is on the Rockies. And Denelson Lamette isn't here. Why why is Rosenthal here but Lamette isn't? Like, how could you not find room for Denelson Lamette when when you made that trade? You keep Jake McGee. You you keep him around. You keep Trevor Kelly on the forty man roster. What are we doing? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I am. I'm going off on a. We're going. We're going back a couple of weeks to the trade deadline and just kind yeah. of circling over that. We're regressing. Yeah, we're we're regressing that uh, back to that. But September call-ups. That's what we have to look forward to because yeah. that is the only way to improve this offense and improve this team and get back to the playoffs. Matt, what do what do you think the chances are that the Brewers end up making the playoffs this year? Zero percent to hundred percent. What do you put the the chances at? Seventy percent. 
70. If okay, we're just that's... talking playoffs, I'm saying 70%. Um, I think I think the Padres and Phillies are as volatile as the Brewers. Um, so there's as good a chance uh, of any of the three. And the Phillies play in an absolute gauntlet of a division, having to go up against the Braves, having to go up against the Mets. Um, it's It's tough out there for them. Um, the Padres have a bunch of games left against the Dodgers. Um, let's take a look at, actually, it's probably something that wouldn't hurt to look at, is what do these final schedules look like? So if you're the Phillies, um, they've got an easy start to the month, and then they play the the Braves, the Blue Jays, the Braves. They finish against the Astros. So they've got some tougher games than we do in there. And then if we pull up the old Padres here, uh, let's see. They've got, after Casey and San Francisco, they got Dodgers. They got Dodgers again. They've got St. Louis. They've got Dodgers again. They've got the White Sox. They've got a couple series against the uh, Giants, who are kind of right around 500. Um, Padres have a lot of good players on their team, but they've got some rough, uh, a rough September to kind of get through. Um, just by schedules alone, the Brewers should have just as good a chance as those other teams to snag a wild card spot. Um, they again, they just have to execute. So I'll put it at 70 um, for the playoffs. For the division, it's below 50% right now. The Cardinals have a lead and an easy schedule of their own. Like, it's, it, it'd be tough unless the Brewers just go on the same type of run that the Cardinals went on last year. Yeah, and the Cardinals have to collapse a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I'd put playoff odds at 50-50 right now. I mean, I'm just – I've never been this pessimistic, this down on a Brewers team. You know, the, the, they show some flashes, but I, I just don't trust this offense to contribute enough. The pitching hasn't been as dominant as it was last season. And just the way they've been since the deadline, there's just that funk, that that unshakable weird feeling that, that we've been talking about earlier in the podcast here that's hanging over this team that I feel like is just going to end up sinking uh, their chances as we get into this, you know, maybe that can change when we get to September call-ups, you know, they bring up a Bryce Terang or a Steary Ruiz and those guys start producing. Um, and we start asking ourselves, why didn't they call these guys up weeks ago? And, you know, perhaps that could end up getting them on a roll. We have Craig Timber coming up. Yeah. So every Brewers fan knows once we get into September, it becomes Craig Timber and they just, go on a roll and they are going to be depending on another one this year in order to get themselves into a fifth straight postseason bite at the apple. Yep. Um, and just real quick, you, you mentioned the pitching there that the pitching hasn't been what was expected. Yeah. This team and, and the run scoring has actually been, I think better than, possibly expected they're still in the upper half of the league in terms of runs scored per game um we've talked about it needs to be more consistent blah 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 um but this team was supposed to be all about the starting pitching and if you look at their ranks right now they are 14th in the league with an 11.4 fan graphs war 14th uh, for starters war and for starters era they're 15th at a 3.91 like this is a team that should have been top five at worst in that stat based off of what was expected of them, what they did last year. And it just hasn't uh, been the case. Now you have Freddie Peralta miss a significant chunk of the season. You've had Aaron Ashby show flashes, but he's kind of been up and down. You expected that maybe if Ashby didn't quite go well, you would have Ethan Small be able to step in at points this season he hasn't quite done what some fans would like him to do adrian hauser has largely been a mess uh, a lot of the season but also he's been hurt for a good portion of it um woodruff tweaked something at one point lauer saw a little again a little uh down period in the middle of the season jason alexander was jason alexander like <laughs> it the starters weren't nearly as dominant as everyone thought they were going to be 
And that sucks when you built this team specifically around dominant starting pitching. Um, if the Brewers don't end up making the playoffs, that could end up being their downfall is that the starters just didn't do what was expected of them, whether by injuries or poor performance, mostly injuries, but also some poor performance. Um, and when you build your offense, expecting them to only have to do so much because the starting pitching will take care of the rest, then this is what happens when the starting pitching doesn't take care of the rest as often as you think they're going to. So if they can round back in the form, if the starting pitching does what Brewers fans and the Brewers themselves know that they can do, the playoffs should happen. Um, but yeah. it's it's got to turn around in this next month. And then the offense has to follow. Yeah, and the other side of that run prevention unit is is the defense, and the defense has really kind of struggled this season as well. Colt Wong has had his struggles. Willie Adamas has had some struggles. Luis Arias as well. Uh, Christian Yelich defensively in the outfield remains a liability, although he did have an outfield assist the other day. He threw out Justin Turner at home plate, and I was just as shocked as the rest of you. I mean... <laughs> That was a, an easy send for the Dodgers. Just send him around. Yelich had the ball before Turner even reached third base. I'm just like, he's got it just fine. He's going to score. And Yelich makes, a, you know, still kind of a fairly weak throw, but it was at least online. Mm -hmm. And it ended up getting there in time for the 37-year-old Justin Turner, <laughs> I believe. So he just had enough to, to get him. But... Yeah, that's uh, that's that that's been a liability, and um, it's just it's just been a mess, really, all, all season with the run prevention unit, and then post deadline with the clubhouse. And I wanted to uh, we we've tried to have a friend of the podcast, Robert Murray, on again, fan sided MLB National Insider. That's like I actually ran into Robert Murray earlier this week. Um, I was at the gym, I was, you know, just going to the gym, you know, working out, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden I see, I get, I get a, I get a text from Robert. I'm just like, Oh God, what's, what's this about? Typically it's about, you know, some, some baseball news going to be like, you know, Hey, Brewers about to do something right here. You know, I was hoping for an Asteria Ruiz call up. Uh, but, but instead he's like, Hey, are you at a gym in Madison right now? I'm like, okay, how, how does he know that? So he, he must be here. I look around, he's right behind me. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Dude, what is David Stern's thinking? But yeah, it was it was good to to run into him, although he was I don't, I don't know if I should say this, but he was wearing a Dodgers hat. I'm so, like, what is up with this, Robert? What is going on? We we need to get him on here to explain himself. I I know he's We've already discussed his questionable Wisconsin food takes. Uh, I have already revoked his Wisconsin card. Yeah. For for his takes on cheese. He hates and cheese. And beer. Robert, I just, I don't, I don't get it. But it, apparently. He also hates Cinnabon. I don't get it. How, uh, how do you hate Cinnabon? He's like, frosting ruins cinnamon rolls. What? No, that's ridiculous. That, that's totally ridiculous. Especially Cinnabon. You can say Cinnabon is like too much. Like that's that's the yeah. one criticism I get. To, like because it's but to say it purely tastes good. bad. Like but yeah no it still tastes good. Like and yeah and, um, no frosting on a cinna, cinnamon roll is fantastic. Yes. Especially cream cheese frosting. Thank you. It's amazing. Robert Murray, I, I, you're gonna have to come on here and it, we're gonna. It, 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 I, gonna I asked him to come on and I asked him to come on this week and he's like. Nah, I can't. I'm I'm on vacation. I'm uh, I'm unplugged. That, that's kind of why I'm up here. Because uh, he he lives down in Arizona now. So I'm just like, yeah. What what the hell are you doing up here? Um, but yeah. So he's on a little little vacation, uh, coming up to to visit back home. So well, it's like, and of back. all places, you show up here at, at the gym that I go to. Crazy, and we run into each other at the same time. When he comes back, it's gonna need to be like 30 minutes of the episode specifically devoted to him explaining his food takes yes and then when you talk about just, his gym routine and, and and gym routine that's true he's yeah. jacked you guys man. can talk about that I'll, I'll sit back and drink my delightful wisconsin beers uh not <laughs> while not exercising yeah robert certainly won't be joining in with a beer no yeah no robert, robert 
Oh, well. Right, we still love you. Yep. But, um, yeah, we, we need to get his uh, his insight on, on what happened with the Brewers at the deadline and, and in yep. the clubhouse since because he's got the connections that we simply do not. But we have fun with it anyways. So that is why you listen to the Cold yes. Brew Podcast. And follow us on Reviewing the Brew. Follow us on Twitter at DGasper24 and at MKEMatt13. That'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time, hopefully with some – Correct September call-ups, because next time we talk, it's going to be September, Matt. It will. It will. Make the, the right final stretch run. Yep. It's do do the right thing, Stearns. You know who to call up. Yep. It is. It is time. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next time for the, for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.